All righty. If you have a Bible with you, if you open up to the book of John, chapter uh, 14. John. So it's good to see everyone. Merry Christmas to all y'all. So it's good to just good to be together. Um, those of you who are visiting with us, welcome. We've seen many of you before from out of town. We have people from Arkansas. Is it Arkansas? Arkansas, Washington State, Maryland. So from east to west, all gathered for a big conference uh, in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. So if you're a family, uh, visiting, coming with family, like your family regular comes here and you've come along with them, welcome to you. Um, and uh, if you're just coming here off the street for the first time, welcome, welcome. Great to have you. I hope today uh, you get a, a blessing from our time uh, together. So uh, today we are concluding our sermon series uh, surrounding Christmas uh, and this is taken from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. We are focusing on the character of the king. The announcement of Chris of Jesus' birth is always an announcement accompanying with uh, words like good news or joy. And uh, uh, Jesus brings joy and good news into uh, the dark world. But the reason is because of who he is as the Son of God. And we have, uh, we've talked about how Jesus, uh, based on Isaiah 9, verse 6, Jesus is our wonderful counselor. He is a mighty God. Last week, we talked about him as everlasting father. And this week, uh, we are going to focus on Jesus as prince of peace. Prince of peace. Matter of fact, this, as I've studied this, I'm so fired up about this that it actually may go into next week as well. That takes a little pressure off getting through the sermon quick, because uh, uh, when we're just done with our time, we'll just end it, and uh, to be continued Amen. next week. Amen? Amen. So uh, that way we won't go too long. Not that we ever would, uh, but in case, we won't go too long. You know, uh, um, we really are celebrating Christmas time because Jesus brings us great joy. You know, this peace, the word here, peace, uh, implies a wholeness, a safety, soundness, and health. Now, I remember my oldest son, who's now 16, Jackson, when he was a little baby, he was the most happy, content baby I have ever seen. He would sit in his car seat. We would go out on a date like we always do. Amen, Marys? Uh and he would just sit in his car seat, totally content, happy, not say a peep for like hours on end. And we were just in awe, like, who is this child? <laughs> um, and, uh, uh, you know, God took care of us, don't worry, with our next one. <laughs> but I remember, Jackson, was one time we were in this leaders, leaders meeting and... and uh, there's just total chaos all around, and people were coming and going, and it was loud and just total chaos. But Jackson was sitting there on his back, lying down, arms completely up, just like, you know, and he was dressed, don't worry, but he was just like totally at peace. 
And someone noted, like, look how calm that baby is. And they noted that, that that's when, some, when a baby lays like that, it's a sign of deep security. And I thought, what a picture. What a picture of peace, wholeness, safety, soundness, health, security. You know, from the, ma- at, from the macro level to the micro level, our world has largely lost this peace. From war, terrorism, day after day, threats, and one more, you know, car running into crowds of people, to from external battles with others to internal battles within ourselves and within, with God, we have largely lost this peace. Anxiety disorders, our statistics are off the charts and ever increasing. But not just those with large, who battle with large disorders, but just troubled, a troubled heart, worried, afraid, anxious. Personally, this is one of my greatest struggles is battling uh, anxiety, fear, timidity, um, these types of things. You know, it's interesting what Revelation says. Revelation 6, verse 4, says its rider, whose the picture is a picture of the devil, was given power to take peace from the earth and to make men slay each other. See, the book of Revelation is simply a book that takes back the veil. So what we outwardly see, the book of Revelation reveals to us that there is there's more than just what we see outwardly. Let's lift back the veil to what's going on behind the scenes in the spiritual warfare that's going on. And behind the scenes, there is someone who, whose whole will, whose whole goal is to take peace from the earth. And so you ever wonder, why do I have this inner battle with fear and anxiety? Why is there so much war in the world? Why can't we just all get along, right? Well, because that's a witness to the truth that Satan desires to steal the peace and make men slay each other. It says, to him was given a large sword. But Jesus, if you, that's Revelation 6, verse 4, if you want to study that out. But in Revelation 6, at the beginning, it says that Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and he overcomes He's a conqueror bent on conquest, and he's a champion of peace. Amen? Prince means leader. It means champion of. Okay? It doesn't mean young boy of peace. It means he brings with him peace, a peace that can overcome the troubles of the world. Jesus is at peace. He is more than just at peace. He is peace. And he brings peace to give you, if you are in him, if you will receive his peace. As Jesus was facing the cross, he talked about being rejected, how he must suffer and be killed. And the disciples were just like you and I, uh, didn't respond with great peace. They were, in essence, we would call them freaking out. No, no, say this is so, that's not going to happen. All kinds of responses. And so Jesus, 
in John chapter 14 uh, gives us inc- these incredible words of peace, words of comfort. And in John 14, 1, he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. They were deeply troubled. But Jesus says, you don't have to be. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And then at the end of this, um, this is called the Olivet Discourse. It's a beautiful thing, John 13 through 17. But at the very end, he, he, or he says this in verse, chapter 16, verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus' heart is to give them peace. I believe his heart today is to give us all peace. Amen? John 14, in the very middle of this, John 14 gives insight into this peace. He says in John 14, verse 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. See, he just doesn't tell us, just be at peace, you leave little faith. He says, no, I have a gift for you. I'm going to give you my peace, the peace that is in me I will give to you. You can have it within you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Any of us facing a troubled world today? Any of us facing any personal troubles? Um, Any personal angsts or anxieties or fears that we deal with? I mean, I just heard Devin got her license. Oh, stay off the sidewalks if you know what I'm saying. Just kidding. She's an incredible driver, I'm sure. Um, Okay. Do not be troubled and afraid. You know, who's looking forward to some, some, some Christmas gifts tonight? Yeah, amen. Can I get a witness from the congregation? Uh, yeah, we're looking forward to some Christmas gifts, right? We love gifts. And by the way, let's not, let, let's not get overly spiritual and just condemn gifts as just worldly around Christmas. I think... That when the first people came to see Jesus, would they bring gifts? I think giving gifts and celebration of something, someone awesome, is a great thing. Amen? So don't, don't hold back in giving your preacher good gifts. Don't call that worldly. No, no, no. Uh-uh. So, um... So we're looking forward to gifts. But what, is, what happens at about maybe, I don't know, 10 a.m. on Christmas morning after the gifts have been unwrapped and played with a little bit? What can, what can happen? You can start to feel a, a, a little, uh, oh, right? Maybe an emptiness or a, huh, even if you get what you want, Right? even if you made the nice list. Um, See, the gift of Christ's peace is never a gift that leaves you, oh, it's the gift that keeps on giving. 
It's the water in you that springs up and continues to well over. The peace of the king. That's what we're talking about today. I have four points, but I think we'll probably get through two or three. Okay, and we'll continue on with the rest tomorrow. The peace of the king. What is this peace that Jesus has in him that he wants to give to us? Jesus, number one, is at peace with the Father. Jesus, number two, is at peace with himself. Number three, Jesus is at peace with his cup that he's been given. And number four, then, he is at peace with others. Goodwill and peace on earth. Let's talk about Jesus being at peace with the Father. John chapter 10, verse 30 says, I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. John 14, verse 31 says, Jesus says, I do exactly what the Father has commanded me. The reality, guys, is there is no peace in our lives outside of oneness with God. There is no peace. I don't care how many drugs you take, how many smells you sniff. I don't care how many calming lotions you rub on your skin. There's no peace in your soul outside of wholeness, oneness, security with the Father. This is why Jesus was at peace with the Father, because he was one with the Father. And he never sinned. He never transgressed. He never said, you know, I'm kind of tired, God, of doing things your way. I want to go my way and transgresses the will of God. Can you imagine the peace before a holy God never having given over to the temptations of the flesh? Never going outside of your created identity. What steals our peace with the Father? Let's read Psalm 32. This psalm is an incredible, incredibly insightful um, witness to what happens, how Satan steals our peace with the Father. Listen, Psalm 32, verse 1, it says, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. It's transgr- It's sin. That's what steals our peace. The word transgression is interesting. It's, it's indicative of, the, of God sets up boundaries. And these boundaries are set not to limit our, our fun or our pleasure. These boundaries are set to keep us safe. These boundaries are set to bring us the most joy, the most fulfillment, the most satisfaction. You know, the Ten Commandments are not a list of don't do these uh, things, you know, to keep you limited in your freedom. The Ten Commandments are things that this will give you the most freedom. Don't covet your neighbor's wife or don't murder, don't steal, don't all these things. These things are designed to, to give you joy. Commandments of God are never meant to steal fun and joy and happiness, but to give, to provide. So a transgression is where we transgress those boundaries. Does that make sense? So it says, Blessed is transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. 
through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. Surely when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. See, what Adam and Eve did and what David did and what you and I do when we transgress, when we sin, is the first thing we do is we hide. We hide from God. We cover it up and we say to ourselves, I'm never telling anybody what I just did. Are you with me there? I struggle with sin. You do too. And uh, uh, the other, I don't know, a while back, it was just like, you know, I, I sinned. I knew I had sinned. And my first thought, my first thought was, don't ever tell anyone. And that is what steals our peace. This is what steals... The, the psalmist here, David, is just, just describing um, when I kept silent, when I made a commitment to myself, don't ever tell. My bones wasted away, groaning all day, day and night. Your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. All that is is him describing I have no peace. No peace. My heart is so troubled. I cannot go before a holy God with this. And who is that that's whispering you, don't tell anyone? That's the one who's designed to steal the peace from the earth. That's Satan. But instead, I, I uh, uh, have done this. <laughs> I've sinned enough in my life to know that, you know what? I'm not going to listen to that liar. Because the lie is, don't tell anyone, you'll be at peace. The truth is, is that as long as you keep silent, you will have no peace. And so I say, get behind me, Satan. It's not that I'm just going to tell him. I'm going to tell everyone. And so I tell my friends, I tell my wife, I tell my kids of my sins, and I confess. And guess what comes pouring in? Peace. Peace. Are you with me there? How does Jesus give us peace? Are you, by the way, are you hiding today? Are you hiding? There will be no peace for you until you decide, get behind me, Satan. I'm not going to hide. I'm going to tell the Lord. He's like, well, he already knows. I know, and he knows that he knows, and you know he knows, but he wants you to say, I know what you know. <laughs> Does that make sense? It's called confession, and confession gets a bad name from certain denominations that go into a confessional in a box and you say certain formulas. That's not confession. Confession is, man, I'm sorry. I've sinned. I was wrong. I was a, I was a doofus. And I'm not going to do that again. I repent. Amen? Um, and, it, and by the way, if you say, well, I just confess to God. Uh, I'm, that's good. But that's not what the Bible teaches. It says James 5.16, confess your sins one to another. Why? Why? Why not just with God? I'll tell you why, because 
until you get that stuff out in the light, you're like, you get all weird on us. You know, you know, anxious and accused, and you don't have the proper perspective. A lot of times, we, we, it's the one another confession that ushers in the incredible grace and no condemnation that our hearts really are thirsting for. And then we're able to pray for one another, and we're able to walk together in total unity and fellowship. It's, a, it's an incredible gift. If you've never tried it, open that gift today. Amen? And you'll have some peace. Um, how does Jesus give us his peace? Number one, total openness. Number two, total oneness. Now we stop fighting God and we agree with God. I am a sinner. I have transgressed. I was wrong. When we, when we agree with God, now Jesus' blood washes the sin away. And we are now at one with Christ in the spirit. He is in me. I am in him. And this wrath of God that was intended for me now came on to Jesus. And I am under. So no longer am I, am I hiding from God. Now I'm hiding in God. Go chew on that one. We're all hiding. Just whether we're hiding from or hiding in. Choose hiding in God, and you will have a peace that passes understanding. Jesus, number one, was at peace with the Father. But secondly, he was at peace with himself. Jesus knew exactly who he was, exactly who he was, and was completely secure in himself. Because who he was was who God made him to be. From the desert temptation in Matthew 4, verse 3, to the taunts at the cross in Matthew 27, verse 40. Satan has tried to attack and steal Jesus' identity. If you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. He saved others, but he couldn't save himself. Oh, was there ever a truer statement uttered? by an enemy of Jesus. If he would have saved himself, then he wouldn't have saved others. But he chose to let himself be killed and therefore saved us. Amen? Um, he was at peace with himself. Jesus had a self-awareness. I know who I am. I know what I've come to do. I have zero need to prove myself or defend myself to any man. And so he walked with completely at peace. He walked with complete confidence. Um, Satan tries to steal our peace with ourselves all the time. How does he do this? I think, let's turn over to John 21. One of the main ways we, our peace with ourself is stolen is through this temptation called comparison. Comparison. And Peter struggled with it as well. And there's two peaceful principles we're going to draw out of this uh, two verses in John 21, verse 20. At the very end, uh, even after all those amazing words, the disciples are still struggling with inner peace. And so verse 20, Peter turned. So, so Peter had betrayed Jesus. Jesus had brought him back and restored his relationship with him. 
And after this, in verse 20, it says, Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? So this obviously is John. When Peter saw him, he asked, well, Lord, what about him? So Peter had a destiny. Peter had a role. Peter had an identity in Christ. Amen? A reason God had created him. But then he started to, well, what about that guy? And what about that guy? Right? And how does Jesus respond? I think he responds to the same way when we start to try to compare ourselves to others. Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. See, the call of Jesus is never to just believe in him. It's to follow him. Amen? Okay? It's the call of Jesus. We don't become a Christian. We just kind of intellectually accept that there's a God. We know that's true because James 2 says, even the demons believe in God. So if all you believe in God, John 3.16, I love John 3.16. It's in the Bible, right? But John 3.16, as far as get your fire insurance on, just believe, accept that there's a God and accept somehow you... That's never in the scriptures of how one becomes a Christian. Now, it's essential in becoming a Christian. Jesus' call is always to follow him. Make him Lord. Repent of your sins and follow him with all your heart. Anyways, that wasn't the point of this. But the point is that you must follow me, Peter. Whatever I got planned for John, what's that got to do with you? You follow me. John, follow me. What I got planned for Thomas and Apostle Paul and Philip and Bartholomew and Mary and Martha and et cetera, et cetera, that's their race. You run your race. You will be at peace. Are you with me there? So two principles. The what about him? That's the W-A-H. That's the wham principle. See, when we start to compare, we start whining around, why didn't I get that? Well, why, are, why, did the, why am I not married? Well, why didn't I have more kids? Well, why do I have this trouble or hardship in my life? I'm not making light of any hardship. Hardship is hardship. I'm going to talk about that next. But having said that, the troubles that come from comparison, Jesus is like, stop your whan. Okay, and then what is that to you? The witty principle. What w is that to you? W-I-T-T-Y. Get it? Witty? The witty principle. What is that to you, dude? You follow me. You follow me. The moment you start to compare yourself to others, your peace is stolen. The moment you start to compare, even if you compare favorably in your own mind, your peace is gone. You may have won, but your peace is lost. We compare. What do we compare? Oh, we compare bank accounts. We compare the size of Christmas presents under the tree and why they got more. Far be it. Far be it from the Department of Justice in our house that someone might get an extra one. <laughs> we compare bank accounts 
We compare talent accounts. We compare looks accounts. We compare body shape accounts, spouse accounts, record of wrongs accounts, grade book accounts, bench press accounts, NFL playoff seating accounts. Oh. Wow. Oh. Hmm. So just to make up for that, we compare Super Bowl accounts. We compare Facebook status accounts. We compare who liked and who hearted my latest pick. Uh, we compare importance accounts. We compare approval accounts. And our peace, oh, is ever so attached to the latest approval rating. You know, I listened to a, a thing from the, one of the creators of Facebook, and he said, he, he says, I have a great deal of guilt because I see Facebook as ruining society. He said, we've created this system of, of uh, dopamine hits, is what he called it, where you are consumed with how many likes you get, and then you feel good a little bit for a little bit, but then what do you need? You need more. So it's the next post and that post, and he said, societies, families, societies are crumbling, and it's only just begun. So I, I'm out of here. I don't do Facebook, and I do not allow my kids to have a Facebook account. That's intense, huh? And I was like, breach! <laughs> Finally, someone else has said it. No, now if you love Facebook, I, it's okay. Okay, I'm not. Don't feel overly condemned. But think about it. Think about it. Why? Why can't you get off that thing? Think about that. Is it bringing more peace or less peace in your life? Jesus says, "Stop comparing your accounts. I'll give you my peace. I'll give you my identity." I'll give you my, I'll give you your identity in me. Your identity in me. And you will have peace. How does that work? Number one, total acceptance of who God made you. Total acceptance. You may not like how you look. You may not like the size of your nose or kneecap. You may not like why you got less hair or more hair or colored hair. I mean, I look at this white spot, I'm like, why? I got to stand up in front of people every single week. And sometimes I go, all they see is my white spot. Glare away. Yeah, right? Okay, but we get silly like that, right? Does it really matter? Okay, but there's harder things. Except, you know, I listened to a talk from a woman who had lost two husbands on the mission field. Elizabeth Elliot. Um, and her message was acceptance. This is what has been given to me. This is my lot. This is my cup, so to speak. And I'm going to accept it totally. Uh, bitterness leads to incredible loss of peace. Because when we totally accept ourselves, then we can be totally transformed by the power of God. 
Refuse Satan's temptation to compare your identity with anyone's, and you will have the peace of Jesus. Amen? Okay, now the next part is at peace with his cup, the cup that he was given. But I don't know. What do you, you want? Should we be done? Should we do that next week? Or should we keep going? I'm really open. Let's, let's do this. We'll do, we'll do this, and then we'll pick it up next week too. Okay? So at peace with his cup. Luke 22, 42. What do I mean by, what, what do I mean with his cup? Like, I mean the, his lot in life. Does that make sense? The, the role that he was given. Luke twenty two forty two. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. See, Jesus, just like you and I, he struggled with his cup. Why does this have to happen to me? I don't like it. This hurts. And it's going to hurt more. Is there any way out from this cup? But he surrendered it. And then John 18, verse 11, he didn't just surrender it, though. Jesus commanded, because Peter didn't like Jesus' cup either. So Peter's like, I'm going to cut... I'm going to cut that ear off. I'm going to, I'm going to take that guy out because, Jesus, I don't want you to drink this cup because it's going to hurt. And Jesus said, Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Jesus was intense about drinking his cup to the full, drinking his cup. So where does this peace come from? Number one, total surrender to your cup, the cup you've been given, total surrender. And number two, total consumption. So can we say bottoms up at church? Okay. But we, don't, we, we may surrender. Well, I can't do anything about this, this hardship, this trial, this suffering. Well, it's out of my control, but we don't drink it in. In all its bitterness, in all its pain, in all its hardship, we just drug it out. You remember when they tried to give a numbing agent to Jesus? No, uh-uh. I got to drink it all in. So we have an interesting way we process pain and trials and hardship. Bad and get it out and anesthetize it. But that's the Bible says considered hardship pure joy. So there is a peace, actually, that comes with surrendering to your cup you've been given and drinking from it. There's a peace. Now, we've all been given a cup in our lives. Now, before you get too much of a martyr syndrome about you, I'm sure there's a lot of good in that cup. Amen? A lot of good in that cup going on. I don't, you may have a hard life, but you got some good going on, promise you. But there's also some pain. I remember um, uh, we, uh, many, many years ago, Laura may remember, as a fairly small church, we had a family, church family Christmas party at our house, and we had a white elephant gift exchange. Um, Carter, can I share this? See how, see how I asked permission? Uh, so we had a white elephant gift exchange, and Carter, my middle son, was about, I don't know, four or some very young age. And, you know, we, we, uh, we didn't quite anticipate what happens to a five-year-old, say, 
uh, at a white elephant gift exchange because all he sees is a pr present wrapped in nice shiny paper, right? And he's thinking whatever he was thinking at that age. And the most white elephant gifts aren't like what I've always wanted, <laughs> right? And so uh, Carter gets his gift and rips open the paper, looks at it, and it's like, looks at me like, Wah! like breaks into tears, <laughs> just weeping. And uh, it's like, uh, we're like, oh boy, we didn't quite work this out very well. Lesson learned. Um, but a lot of times, this is how we are when we open up our cup. Whoa, 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 this isn't what I expected. Whoa, 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 I didn't expect my life to go this direction. I didn't think marriage was this way. I, I didn't think having kids, I didn't think that the um, singleness was what I had in mind, though over half of our population is single. Uh, I, I, I didn't want to be on the B team. I was planning on making the A team. You know, when I play NBA 2K, I don't see B teamers around. These are my heroes, right? Or, or whatever, whatever your cup is. I don't know. You know your cup. And we open that up, and we don't like it. And it's, it's got pain. It's got sorrow. It's got hardship. And we go like Carter. Wow. So how do we receive Jesus' peace? Total surrender, total consumption, and total peace. We don't need to know the answers why life is hard. It's just hard. We don't need to know why someone died too young. God doesn't have to give us the answers. He doesn't owe us answers but he does give us himself. He gives us his peace. And when we accept whatever cup is coming our way, you know, there's a lot of loss. Christmas time brings a lot of loss at times to our minds. And everyone's all happy and skippy yippy, but I can feel pain. You with me? And if we don't, if we don't surrender and consume that cup that's been given us in acceptance, then we'll never have peace. But when we accept it, trust, not letting our hearts be troubled, but trusting there is a reason, there is a purpose, and I don't even need to know what it is. I may not ever know what it is, but I trust that God is God, and I don't have to be, and I can drink this and receive total peace. Let's prepare for communion by re remembering the words in Luke chapter 2, the announcement of the Messiah. We'll read this and then we'll pray for communion. If you're visiting with us, you're welcome to take communion with us. You don't have to. You're not going to be embarrassed. Um, we believe it's a, it's a time of remembrance. We believe it's just a time of memorializing the death, burial, life, and resurrection of Jesus. Amen? Take a moment out of our craziness schedules. I'm not calling you all crazy. I'm just saying things can be crazy and to remember Jesus. So let's read these words and let's think about this announcement coming to us today in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. 
And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. 